What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joe M. A. Larry. So in this episode, I'm going to give a quick breakdown of two trades that just went down in sports. One being OG Ananobi being traded from the Toronto Raptors to the New York Knicks in a blockbuster deal that includes AJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Both of those guys will be going to Toronto in the deal. And then also Chris Sale was just traded not too long ago now. A couple hours ago, the Red Sox traded Chris Sale to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for a young middle infield on Vaughn Grissom, who is only 23 years old and has six years left of team control for the Sox. So I'm going to give a breakdown of both those trades very quick. And then after that, I'm going to talk about the Detroit Pistons, who have lost 28 consecutive games. I'm going to give my thoughts on that team and how they've been playing as of late. So let's start off with OG Ananobi being traded from the Toronto Raptors to the New York Knicks. In exchange in this deal, the Knicks are getting OG Ananobi and Precious Achua, who will definitely help them in the paint. Mitchell Robinson is out for the season. So the Knicks had to get somebody to help them in the paint. OG Ananobi is a great defender, so that obviously helps them having a wing defender who's one of the best in the NBA. OG did want $40 million in an extension from Toronto. They didn't want to give him that. They ended up trading him instead. And it seems like Toronto honestly won the trade in this deal, which I'm going to talk about what the Knicks had to give up in the deal. So the Knicks had to give up AJ Barrett, who is returning home back to Canada, which is a great story. Still has four years left on his deal. And Emmanuel Quickly, who is a free agent after the season is over. That's what the Raptors are getting in return for OG Inanobi, Precious Achua, and also Malachi Flynn. So I didn't really have too much time to prepare for this, so I'm just going to give my quick thoughts, what I thought about right away with the trade. And I know the Knicks needed help getting a defensive player that could help them on the wing. He's also a good shooter as well. He's been shooting the three very well this season. But I think it's a very steep price to pay. Even though Emmanuel Quickly probably wasn't in the Knicks' long-term plans, he's a free agent after this year is over, and it didn't really make much sense to give him an extension with Jalen Brunson to be the starting point guard. I just think that the Knicks did give up a lot in this deal. RJ Barrett, for four years, left on his contract. I know RJ has struggled shooting the three-ball a lot, but he's having a better season this year, points per game-wise, than OG Ananobi is. OG Ananobi is averaging 15 points, four rebounds, and just about two and a half assists, shooting 37% from three. RJ Barrett's numbers are better for the most part besides from three. He's averaging 18 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, two and a half assists per game, shooting 33% from three. He has struggled shooting the three ball in his NBA career. But Emmanuel Quickly, who's been off the bench for the Knicks this season, is averaging the same amount of points that OG and Anobi did for the Raptors in 10 less minutes per game. Emmanuel Quickly is averaging 15 points per game, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, shooting 39.5% from three. And then OG and Anobi is averaging 33 minutes per game played, so 10 less minutes per game played, 15 points per game, 4 rebounds, and 2 and a half assists. Is also averaging a steal per game at .5 blocks. He is a good defender, so obviously the Knicks needed help there. But I think it's a steep price to pay. The Knicks gave up Emmanuel Quickly, who's a free agent after this year is over. He was probably leaving anyways. But you're giving up 4 years of A.J. Barrett and a second-round pick in this deal. A second-round pick really isn't much. But just for one season of O.G. Ananobi, because O.G. Ananobi is a free agent after this year is over. He has a player option. He's likely going to opt out and look for a lot of money on the open market. So we'll see what will happen in that deal. But I think Toronto won this trade. You're getting four years of A.J. Barrett. He's going home. And I think it's going to be a great story and something to watch for the rest of the season. I think A.J. Barrett is going to be psyched to go back to Toronto and go back home to Canada. As for the Chris Sale trade, now I'm going to move on to talk about that. The Red Sox got back middle infielder Von Grissom in return for Chris Sale. Grissom has struggled defensively at shortstop for the Braves. That's definitely an area the Red Sox need to get better at is defense. And Grissom's biggest weakness is his defense. So hopefully he can get better with that. He is only a young player. though, only 23 years old. Played in 64 games last season for the Braves with a 287 batting average, 5 home runs, a 746 OPS, making 41 starts at second base and 19 at shortstop. 
Only 23 years old, a young, talented hitter, a guy that the Braves were very high on, but they were okay with giving up because the Braves know that their pitching has to get better. If they want to compete with the Dodgers, who now have Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts, and then you look at the Phillies, who have Kyle Schrober and Bryce Hopper, in order to get through the National League, you need pitching. So the Braves said, okay, let's go and get Chris Sale, give up a young prospect, a young player who's only 23 years old, but we're getting back Chris Sale, who can be our number two pitcher probably, and be a guy that could step up in the playoffs if he is healthy. And Chris Sale looked very good for the Red Sox before getting hurt last season around, I think it was in June. Maybe late May, beginning of June, Chris Sale got hurt. He was looking very good before that happened. He was looking like the Chris Sale of old before that injury happened. As for Grissom, though, in AAA, he was very good at 330 batting average with a 920 OPS, 8 home runs, 4 triples, and 36 doubles. He's a guy that the Red Sox are probably going to start at second base this season since they didn't have any second baseman heading into today. Now they have a second baseman to start for the year. As for Chris Sale, he has $17 million of his salary being paid by the Red Sox for next season. He has a $27.5 million salary for next year. The Red Sox will be sending $17 million with him in the deal to Atlanta. Last year, Chris Sale made 20 starts for the Red Sox with a 4.3 ERA and a 1.13 whip. In his Sox tenure, though, which I know obviously the injuries were a big issue for him, he had a 46-30 record with a 3.27 ERA in six seasons. Was a big reason the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. Obviously a blockbuster deal the Red Sox giving up two of their top prospects to the Chicago White Sox to get him. He comes over to the Red Sox, was dominant for a couple seasons, and was a big reason the Red Sox won the World Series. He got the last out of the 2018 World Series, striking up Manny Machado. was a very nice ending to that run for the Red Sox. And even though a lot of people will probably talk about Chris Sale and his injuries in the Red Sox, I know a lot of fans didn't really have much faith in him to stay healthy. When you look at when he was healthy, especially in the earlier part of his time with the Red Sox, he was dominant and was one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball for two or three seasons. And he was a big reason he won the World Series. So Chris Sale definitely deserves some praise and some thanks from Red Sox fans. He was a big reason he won that World Series in 2018. But with that being said, he's not a guy you can depend on to stay healthy. And with this deal going through, the Red Sox have even less pitching now. So heading into this season, the Red Sox are probably banking on Chris Sale to stay healthy and probably try to be the ace for this team. But clearly Craig Breslow, the new chief baseball officer, said, we're better off just moving on from him, getting that rid of that last deal of his contract, and trying to get something back in return to build around for the future. And maybe Grissom ends up being that second baseman of the future. Who knows? But the Red Sox need even more help pitching right now after trading Chris Sale. Seven years with the Red Sox, pitched in six seasons. He did have a season-ending injury a couple years ago in 2019. He got Tommy John surgery, missed the entire 2020 season, and he battled injuries his entire time with the Red Sox. From an elbow strain, tearing his UCL, then Tommy John surgery, and then it was also a fracture in his rib cage after getting hit by a line drive, then a broken pinky, then a broken wrist, and then a shoulder injury. He only made 31 starts over four seasons from 2020 to 2023. Only 31 starts. So that's obviously a big issue, is him being on the field and being able to stay healthy. But before getting hurt, like I said, last season, Chris Sale was looking like this. Chris Sale of old in about six starts right before getting hurt last season. His last six starts last year before getting hurt at the beginning of the season, he looked great and was dominant again. With that being said, though, you can't really rely on him to stay healthy. He did waive his no-trade clause to make this deal go through. Obviously, he was willing to move. He's in a much better position now to win the World Series with Atlanta than he was in Boston. And this now marks the second big move made by Breslow since taking over the chief baseball officer role. And he's clearly not afraid of making a big trade, already moving Alex Verdugo to the Yankees and now trading Chris Steele to Atlanta Braves. He's not afraid of making a big move. Ultimately, I think in the short term, 
The Braves win this deal. If Chris Sale can stay healthy, that's another great pitcher to have in their rotation. In the long term, I think the Red Sox might get the better end of this trade. If Grissom can pan out and be a good hitter in the middle of their lineup for five or six years to come since he has six years left of team control, then this deal can be a good deal. But as obviously his defense needs to get better. Am I upset with this deal? I wouldn't say I'm upset, but I'm a little bit disappointed since the Red Sox need a pitching help as is. But like I said, you can't rely on Chris Sale to stay healthy. So being able to get back a guy that's young, only 23 years old, and has six years left of team control at a position of need, I think at the end of the day, the deal wasn't the worst deal. I was more upset with the Alex Verdugo deal than I was with this. Was it surprised with the Alex Verdugo deal? No. Am I surprised by this Chris Sale deal? Yes. I expected Chris Sale to be back with the Red Sox this season. I didn't expect Alex Verdugo to be back with the Red Sox. But I think this deal could work out for the Red Sox if Grissom can pan out. The Red Sox signed Lucas Giolito to a two-year, $38.5 million deal yesterday. Giolito's deal with the Boston Red Sox gives him an $18 million salary for this upcoming season. He also does have a $1 million buyout if he chooses to opt out after this year is over. So this upcoming season, if he chooses to opt out, he has a $1 million buyout that he'll be given if he were to opt out of the deal. He really struggled the last two seasons, making 63 starts for the White Sox, the Angels, the Cleveland Guardians. He was all over the place last year. In 63 starts over the last two seasons, he had a 4.83 ERA, a 1.37 whip, with 9.9 strikeouts per nine innings. But before that two-year stretch, over the last two years where he struggled, he was really good for three years. From 2019 to 2021, with the White Sox, he was an all-star one year, also made 72 starts over those three years from 2019 to 2021, with a 3.47 ERA, a 1.076 whip, 11.1 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. But here was the issue. Once the sticky stuff was cracked down on by the MLB, his numbers really took a major dip, and he really struggled after that. And his spin rate went down as well once that the sticky stuff was really being cracked down on by the MLB. So the Red Sox are really hoping for a bounce-back season here for Giolito, but in my opinion, he's a number two pitcher at best right now. He's a number two at best, but he's looked more like a number three over the last couple seasons. Hopefully he can have a bounce-back year for the Red Sox, but he does not solve all of their pitching issues. So now I'm going to move on and talk about the Detroit Pistons. A big question about them is when they're going to win another game. They've lost 28 consecutive games. After starting the year 2-1, with their last win being on October 28th, they've lost 28 consecutive games. And are now 2-29 after losing to the Celtics on Thursday night. But it was an encouraging game for them, honestly. I saw them playing hard. They played hard in consecutive games. They gave it all they could against the Brooklyn Nets earlier this week. And then played the Celtics on Thursday at the Garden. The Celtics have not lost a game at home all season. So it's not an easy game to play in, especially when you've lost 27 games in a row heading into that one. But the Pistons gave it their all in this game. They were up 19 points at halftime. And even though they blew it in the second half, they really battled in the fourth quarter. Every time the Celtics hit a big shot, Jaden Ivey had a big shot, Jalen Duran had a big shot, Kevin Knox had a big shot. They were making big shot after big shot. And also making some big stops on the defensive end with Cade Cunningham getting some blocks and playing great defense. Cunningham in that game had 31 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 blocks, and 3 steals. He was absolutely balling and was 4 of 6 and 3 as well. But it wasn't enough. The Celtics end up winning that game. With that being said, the Celtics had a 35-point third quarter to get back in the game. And the Pistons tied them in fourth quarter scoring 26-26 to and forced an overtime period where they ended up losing the game by 6 points. But they out-rebounded the Celtics by 21 rebounds in this game. 68-47. to 68-47. to They shot 33% from three. The Celtics only shot 28% from three. There were a lot of good things I saw in this game from the Detroit Pistons team. And they didn't give up. Even though 28 consecutive losses is the longest single-season losing streak in NBA history, 
And 28 straight losses is actually tied for the second longest in North American sports. They're still fighting and they're still trying to win games. They're actually tied right now for the second longest losing streak in North American sports history with the 2014, 2015, and also the 2015, 2016 Philadelphia 76s since they actually lost 28 straight games in a row across two seasons. They lost their last 10 games in the 2014-2015 season and then started out 0-18 in the 2015-2016 season. Right now, the Pistons have lost 28 straight games. The longest losing streak in North American sports history is 29 games. The Chicago Cardinals in the NFL lost 29 consecutive games from 1942 to 1945. The Pistons are trying to avoid that. Seven teams in NBA, NFL, and MLB history have lost 26 or more games in a row. And that's per Sports Illustrated. With that being said, a lot of people are talking about this Detroit Pistons team being the worst team they've ever seen all time. But there's too much talent on this team to say that they're the worst team of all time. They're all very young, and they have a lot of high draft picks here. And I'm not saying just because you're a high draft pick that correlates to success in the NBA, but there's so much young talent on this team, and a lot of these guys have so much potential that they can reach over the next couple of seasons. Jalen Duran was the 13th overall pick in 2022. He's only 20 years old. Cade Cunningham, first overall pick in 2021. He's only 22 years old. Killian Hayes, the seventh overall pick in 2020. He's only 22 years old. Asar Thompson was the fifth overall pick in this year's draft in 2023. He's only 20 years old. James Wiseman, second overall pick to the Golden State Warriors in 2020. He's only 22 years old. Jaden Ivey, fifth overall pick in 2022. He's only 21 years old. Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall pick in 2020. He's only 22 years old. Kevin Knox, ninth overall pick in 2018 to the Knicks. He's only 24 years old. Marvin Bagley, second overall pick in 2018 to the Sacramento Kings. He's only 24 years old. As for Bagley and Kevin Knox, neither one of those guys really panned out in the NBA, especially where they were drafted at. But Kevin Knox was contributing to the Pistons game the other night. Had six points against the Celtics. Did struggle from three. He was over six from three. But he was out there. He started in that game for the Pistons. And like I said, just because you're a high draft pick doesn't mean you're going to be great in the NBA. But it just proves there's a lot of young talent in this team. There's too much talent in this team to be the worst team of all time. Once they win a game, I think they're going to be around 2-8 and eight or 3-7, and seven, just about on average, in every 10-game stretch for the rest of the season. Will they end up with the worst record in the NBA this season? This may be a hot take, but my opinion is no. The Spurs have five wins right now. The Pistons have two. The Spurs have five wins. The Wizards have six, and the Hornets have seven. Once the Pistons win a game, I think they can stack a few wins together. I think Washington ends up with the least amount of wins in the NBA this season. I think Detroit has a more talented roster than Washington. Even though the W's aren't showing up right now, I think Detroit is more talented than Washington. And I also think the Spurs are more talented right now than the Wizards are as well. The Pistons are not the worst team I've ever seen. To see them play the Celtics that hard the other night and had a 19-point lead at one point in the first half, that was optimistic to see. Two nights in a row against the Nets and the Celtics, they were playing hard and in the game late in the fourth quarter. They still want to win games, and they're playing to break the streak. And I know a lot of people are betting on them to lose every game for the rest of the season, but I think that's just ridiculous. They clearly haven't seen them play recently because they've been in a lot of games, and honestly, anybody can win any given night in the NBA. Any given night, anybody can win. I think the Pistons win their game tonight against Toronto, who just played a hot-fought game against the Celtics last night, and they're also short-staffed after the trade with the New York Knicks. And even though the Pistons have lost 28 straight games, they have 13 clutch-time losses this season, which means under five minutes to go, it's a five-point game or less. 13 clutch time losses is the most in the NBA. And they also have a 23% field goal percentage in clutch time this season, which is also the worst in the NBA. So they need to be better late in games. But I think this team is a little bit better than 2-28. and 28. 
Are they going to win the NBA Finals? No, I'm not being crazy and saying they're a playoff team. But I do think there's more talent in this team than the worst team of all time like people are talking about. Once they win a game, I think they can string a couple wins together. Anyways, that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.